0: Today we're going to be talking about things pertinent to our business world in our business life. And I'm going to share with you a little bit a little bit about some of the ideas. I always tell everybody everyone throughout their life has what I call a million dollar idea. And when I was very young, I was in my early 20s, the very first idea that I came up with in my mind in the world of business was I wanted to start a chain of Snoopy restaurants. Now, are you familiar with the Peanuts cartoons? Well, I decided that this would be a great idea. I was working at the time in the hotel industry for the Hilton Hotels, and so as I was starting to contemplate this idea, I thought, you know, I'm just going to put together a menu, and I'm going to put together a business plan, and I didn't have a great idea about business plans back in those days, but I set up a menu and I decided that we were going to, and again, the restaurant was going to be a Snoopy doghouse with Snoopy laying on top of the doghouse, as you see in the cartoon in the, in the Peanuts characters. And I was going to have little Linus napkins, the little blue napkins for security napkins. And we were going to have little Linus hot dogs and we were going to have salt and pepper shakers that were gonna be Lucy and Charlie Brown and we had the little dog dishes that were going to serve the food, and so I had all these little ideas, and I made the whole menu out, and I just put everything around the characters of the Peanuts cartoon. I also decided that we were going to have a gift shop at the very beginning of the restaurant so that when the people came in, all the children could buy all the little Peanuts characters, and the little cartoons they could take, or the little... uh, um, dishes and the salt pepper shakers everything they could buy there in the gift shop and take it home and i thought this is a million dollar idea and so i had everything put together and at that time baron hilton was in charge of the hilton hotels i actually sent a letter off to to um uh charles schultz who was the character cartoon um amp, or, you know direct, or cartoon. cartoonist And uh, he he lived at one Snoopy Lane, and so I sent him a letter. He even agreed to have the restaurants at a 10% commission uh, royalties. And I was so excited, and I went to Baron Hilton, and I gave him this idea, and I gave him the menus, and I put everything together, and he turned me down. And of course, I was only 24 at the time. I had no money. I had no financing. And I just was so deflated, and I've always thought over the years, I wonder what it would have been like had we been able to start a chain of Snoopy restaurants. But that idea never formulated. But then I came up with another idea later on. A friend of mine was lost in the woods and could not find, um, for two days they were lost, and they could not find them. And they spent tens of thousands of dollars searching for this party, who had been lost, and I thought, you know, why don't we come up with an idea where we will take a little container about the size of a small cigarette lighter, we'll have helium in it, and we'll have a cord that will go up in the air, and we'll have kind of like a weather balloon, so that if someone gets lost, they can have this little kit that would cost approximately five dollars, I priced it out and everything. And if they're out in the woods, or on a boat, or somewhere a child is lost, or something, you just teach this little child, you just press this little button right here, the balloon would inflate, would go up, you have to be in a clearing where it could clear the trees. And I thought, you know, this is going to save millions and millions of dollars if people get lost. They'll be able to find the person by finding this brightly colored, I had an orange and red balloon concept in my mind, and it would be iridescent and people could see their uh, this balloon and, and be able to rescue them. Once again, I never followed through on this million dollar idea and later on I found out that five or six people had patented a similar idea and it never came to fruition and I thought, you know, isn't that a sad thing because you still hear about people, millions and millions of dollars of, people trying to find uh, lost children, lost people that are in the woods or that are on camping trips or things like that. Later, as I did get into the business world and was involved in many different types of businesses, I eventually came to own a men's sportswear business with uh, four other gentlemen, and we built the business up to a $43 million business, and I learned very quickly that to be able to succeed in business, you must have a plan. You cannot have a successful business without a plan. And I tell everybody, make your plan, work your plan and plan your work. So you must be able to understand the concept of being able to plan your work and work your plan. Another saying is if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So you must know that those things are so important. And as I went uh, from the men's sportswear business, I later discovered a little invention that somebody had invented, and this was prior to the cordless telephones. This was back in the early 90s, but this was a cord minder, and this cord minder eliminated all the unsightly, unsanitary cord clutter. And this was a 16-foot cord minder, and this was an eight-foot cord minder. And I was in the process of purchasing the patents and um, uh, uh, materials of, of the cord company. And at the last minute, the gentleman backed out. But I had already obtained a commitment from AT&T uh, that they were going to market the cord minder. And this product alone would have been worth tens of millions of dollars. So as I went on and on, um, <laughs> later I came into another, and I'm going to tell you very briefly, we're going to talk about this as the latex business. You remember back in the early 80s when everybody was panicky and frightened and scared about the AIDS crisis, and the latex business was very, very big, and a friend of mine came to me, and they were in the import-export business, and they said, would you consider starting a latex company? And so I went out and researched it. I spent approximately six months researching and found out that indeed 52% of all of this product was purchased by women. They went into the feminine hygiene section and they purchased this product. What I did was I developed a packaging that was very soft, it was very non-threatening. If indeed it was purchased by women, then it was a product for us with your protection in mind. And when we first started marketing this product, I will tell you a little bit more about this, and I'm going to refer to this as the Latex Company. And uh, as you can see, uh, the product uh, was very, very well received. I'll tell you a little bit more as we go throughout the seminar. But I just want to share with you um, everyone in their life, whether they're pre-Adventist, and a lot of this was pre-Adventist, or Adventist, they have a wonderful idea, but they don't know how to make it succeed and how to get it to the point of success. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. But before we do, I'd like to ask you to please uh, bow your heads with me as we pray. Our dear, gracious, kind, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we can gather here, we can share ideas, we can share uh, concepts, And we ask, dear Lord, that as I speak and as Wayne speaks, that we will be able to meld the wonderful, wonderful ideas that you give each one of us through your blessing to be able to succeed in our business life as well as in our spiritual life. We pray that these ideas will be taken home and that people will be able to use them in such a way that will glorify your name. I thank you and praise you and ask this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen. I'm not real good with a computer, so Wayne has agreed to put the uh, uh, computer graphics up for me. But I said throughout my business careers, I developed a philosophy keyed to a memory device called simple. And that is the keys to success are strength, imagination, motivation, perseverance, listening, and enthusiasm. And you know, one of the things in the business world, when you're an employee, you can tend to be lax, but when you are the boss, you must have strength. We're going to pass those the again. And when you start, when you start in the business world, you are going to have a tremendous, tremendous amount of controversy. You're going to have a tremendous amount of people. Uh, that will be competing against you. I said, that's one of the things that Wayne and I discussed is, you know, in the business world, it's a cutthroat business. Uh, Tragically, uh, a lot of the people that you're working with and working in that area, they're not Christians, and they're only there, in one reason, and that's to try to find a way to be more competitive and more successful than you are, so you must be strong. You must have a creative imagination. You must have an idea where I tell everybody you sit down and you come up with a million and one ideas and you just hope that one of them is going to stick. Because you have to find that one idea that's going to be successful in your business. You also must be motivated. Every day there is no boss to get you up. You are the boss. You have to get up and get yourself energized. You have to get yourself excited and motivated to go out and to face the day and to be able to be creative and to find ways to motivate not only yourself but your employees obviously you must have perseverance there will be many many days where you just think boy I just I jokingly tell somebody when somebody will call me in the morning and I said well I looked under the bed and there were no retailers so I decided to stay in bed today. And, you know, if we don't get up and get ourselves going and get get going, we must persevere, and no matter what the consequences. And most important, and you're going to hear this throughout this talk this morning, listening. I cannot tell you how many wonderful ideas and how much my business has improved by picking other people's brains and letting them tell me how they've succeeded. When they can tell me, and people love to brag, people love to say how successful I am and why I've succeeded. And I can tell you right now, that's number one in my business. You pick other people's brains because you're not the one that's so intelligent. You're the one that's intelligent to be able to pick their brains and pick their mind. So I tell people, listen, listen, listen. And the last, of course, is enthusiasm. If you're excited, you're not only going to be excited yourself, but you're gonna get your employees excited. You're gonna get them motivated. You're gonna get them up every day. And you're going to give them a reason and and a a reason to want to come to work. When you uh, have employees um, that work for you, you're going to have some that just come there because they want a paycheck. You have some that come to work because they love their job. And if you can make your employees love coming to work, you're going to find that they will, they will make the business grow with you. So getting started, you must pray, pray, pray. Every day as you wake up, you say, Lord, I'm going to work today. And this is your business. This is your marketplace. This is your witnessing tool that you have given me an opportunity to go to my job, to go to my work, to go to my business, and be able to be a witness. And ask God to give you wisdom and understanding, the ability to listen to his Holy Spirit, and then most importantly, be patient. Wait on the Lord. I know my biggest problem, and people that know me know this, I'm always running ahead of the Lord. (laughs) I'm just running ahead, doing this, 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 and this, and I go, oh, Barbara, I forgot to pray, or I forgot to listen to the Holy Spirit. So we must make sure that we're patient and wait on the Lord. As I said earlier, all businesses must have a plan. Most people don't realize, but if you're starting up a business, you have to have a lot of money. Most people think, well, I just got a great idea. Uh, I, I, I can do this but they don't realize the minimum amount of money to start up a good business should be at least a half a million dollars. As you think about some of the businesses that we're living in, the world that we're living in today, um, 90% of all businesses fail because they don't have a plan, 90%. And that leaves just a little tiny percentage there of people that are willing to sit down to put their business plan together, to understand the importance of planning, to understand that for a business to be successful and profitable, the owners and the managing directors must have a clear understanding of the firm's customers, strength and competition. If we don't have that, we will never be successful. The importance uh, should never be overlooked and we must have the foresight to plan for future expansion. Why write a business plan? Now, you know, a lot of people come to me when I speak and I give my personal testimony and I share some of the things that I've done over the past, my past careers. A lot of people come to me, oh, I've got this great invention or oh, I've got this great idea. And the very first thing I'll say to them is, have you written a business plan? No, I haven't written a business plan. And I said, well, you must sit down and you must write a business plan because when you sit down and you write a business plan, no less than two to three to five year business plan should be written on each one of our companies, each one of our businesses, no matter how small or how big it is, we must have a business plan. We must be able to sit down as the owners or as the leaders of the company, we must sit down and we must organize, we must process uh, a business plan and there are six reasons why we must write a business plan. The process of putting a business plan together forces the person preparing the plan to look at the business in an objective and critical manner. The first thing we do when we think we wanna start a business is we think our business is going to be the most successful, our business is a no-brainer that everyone's gonna to wanna to come and buy our product or everyone's gonna come and wanna use our, our uh, uh, company for whatever and they don't realize when they sit down that there's a lot of competition, that there's a lot of people out there in the marketplace that are going to be competitive. It also helps us to focus ideas and serves as a feasibility study of the business chances for success and growth. The finished report serves as an operational tool to define the company's present status and future possibilities. When I first started the latex business, I know one of the things that I figured out is I went to all of the top companies like Trojan, Ramses, Chic, which were the top three companies of these brands, and I just picked their brains, and you know, here I am, a woman in a man's industry, in a man's business, and when I went and I spoke to these people, they kind of felt sorry for me, which was my advantage, you know? They came to me and they said, well, and they started telling me all of their secrets. They started telling me all of these marvelous ideas. And all of a sudden, I said, aha, this is how I can make this little tiny wedge into the business and I can get in. Back in those days, the business was a $404 million comp- business in the industry, $404 million. I was hoping to get 5 to 10% of that business. Well that would be a nice little company, wouldn't it? So, I went ahead and, and like I said, I just picked their brains and I was able to understand why we were going to put this business plan together. It also can help us to manage the business and prepare you for success. It's a strong communication tool for your business. It defines your purpose, your competition, your management and personnel. The process of constructing a business plan can be a strong, strong reality check. And I can tell you, when you sit down and you start writing, you say, oh. We're gonna need so many telephones. Oh, we're gonna need this much postage. Oh, we're gonna need this and that. You'd just be amazed how many things you just don't think about when you start to first begin your business plan. And the finished business plan provides a basis for your financial proposal. So who should write the business plan? Obviously, you. Because you're the one that's going to start the business. You're the closest to it. So you must know the most. You may use consultants, but you still need to be the majority of the person who writes the business plan. So uh, the business plan components is the executive summary. Now an executive summary must be no longer than two pages. Now why is it only two pages? Who likes to read a big volume of something? No way. We just want to hear the basics. We want to hear the knit components. So we want a brief descrip- description of the company's history, the company's objectives, the company's products or services, the business th- that will compete that we'll be competing in, a persuasive statement as to why and how the bu- business will succeed, uh, discussing the component's advantages. Uh, when we were in the cordminder business. Nobody had ever invented any such thing as a cord miter. One of the peop- one of the most important things about this little cord miter was the pre-cord. Now this pre-cord was this little part right here. And if you see this little part right here, you notice how thin and flat it is? Have you ever looked at computer wires? Do you, you see all these wires up here, how thick and round they are? One of the biggest selling points of this was this wire conducted... All of this electricity this was worth millions and the little gentleman that invented this product unfortunately was 80 years old and had no idea what he was doing and unfortunately it never went anywhere after he backed out of the sale of the company but this precord alone could have been worth tens of millions of dollars because it was flat it could have gone underneath walls and wiring it was we were going to use it in uh, hair dryers, all electrical appliances, we are going to use it in computer cords. We had companies calling us constantly wanting to be able to work with us on this pre-cord. So that alone uh, was amazing. But I think when people realize, uh, we need to find out where is this company going and how is it going to arrive and how is it going to get to where it needs to go. So again, with them very important To project the growth for the company and the market a brief description of the key management team a description of funding requirements including a timeline and how the funds will be used you know if you had a half a million dollars and you spent the first four hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the first six months what are you going to operate with and people don't understand how important it is to be able to set those timelines and set those guidelines to be able to go out so the product Uh, You have to explain the product in simple terms, you describe the competitive advantages as why is your product going to be better than any other company's product. And I tell everybody, I taught a course at the University of Colorado, Professional Women in Sales and Marketing, and I said, you have to have three N's to succeed. First, you have to have a need, then you have to have a niche, and then you have to have a net profit. The fourth N is knowledge, for those of us who can't spell so I tell everybody, you must find that there is a need for your business, for your product, for your company, that you have a niche. You know, if I was, as, as an example, when I was in the sweater business, everybody back in those days used to have cashmere, and lambs wool and Shetland, and cotton sweaters. And I thought, why start another company and just have another sweater? Where is that niche? Where is that fine little tune going to be? So how can I compete? Um, And we were able to by having better quality at a more reasonable price. And we did everything hand knit, hand loomed, beautiful, beautiful quality, beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, knitting techniques and again a better, better price. And obviously we had a better profit for a number of years. You must, if you're going to patent something, you must be able to have good patent attorneys and make sure that you have an airtight patent. Patents today are very difficult to make airtight. Um, And you have to have copyrights and trademarks. Okay, areas that we should also cover is your product or service already in the market and is it still, or is it still in the research and development stage? When we first launched our little product here, the very first thing, we put it in what we call test markets. You've probably heard of Osco Drug, King Supers. Uh, which is a big grocery store chain. We put it in um, drug stores and grocery stores. When we first literally test marketed this product for the first six months, we in some stores were outselling the number one and number two brands to the point where, as I was telling Wayne, uh, shortly after I started studying the Bible, I I had... (laughs) told the pastor I said I'm starting a new company and he said well what are you doing and I said well I'm starting a condom company well can you imagine what this pastor must have thought And this pastor simply said which was the best thing he could have said to me is he said Barbara why don't you just pray about it and I thought to myself oh okay I'll pray and you know God works in mysterious ways as we heard this morning with Kevin uh, shortly after we started the company, we were out there getting our financing. Our test marketing had gone tremendously well for the first six months. We were going to launch the product nationally and internationally in January. And November 25th, that's when I was hit head-on by a big old suburban, and I literally was totaled from head to toe. And I didn't have to think about anything about the business, but I lost our $3.5 million investor that was going to invest in the company, another million million investor. They were with Bayer Aspirin. I always tell people, and I was saying the same thing to Wayne, if you're looking for investors, don't go to anyone that is too poor. You must go to someone that has what I call deep pockets. If I came to to you and you had, let's just say, five billion dollars, and I said, I'd like to borrow a million dollars, yeah, sure, it's pocket change. You know, in your mind, five billion, and then I ask you for one million. That's pocket change. If I came to Lisa and I said, Lisa, I want to borrow a million dollars and Lisa has three million dollars, she's going to say, oh, wait a second. Uh, How are you going to spend my nickel? How are you going to spend my dime? They're not going to listen to you because they are worried about how you're going to spend every nickel and dime of their investment. And besides that, they think they should own 51% of the company. So we don't want to do that. But anyway, you have to be able to... um, know about where your development stage is and the rollout strategy and the timeline to bring the product to market. What makes your product or service unique? What competitive advantage does a product or service have over its competition? And can you price the product or service competitively and still remain in a healthy profit margin? You know, people just simply think, well, I can go out and sell six million pieces of this, but then they get to the bottom line and they've actually lost money especially when you're in a business where you have to place your product in a store. Uh, As an example, these cord minders, the first thing that any store will say to you is what is your financial worth to make sure that you have enough financing to back up the product, to get automated. You must be automated when you're going through a product that's going to carry constantly. You must be able to assure them that they will never have a peg empty on the store shelf. You know when you walk into a store, you see all the pegs and they're all filled up with products, you don't see empty pegs because they're not making any money. They need every one of those products. So you need to be able to be sure that you have that merchandise to back it up and back it up and back it up. So a lot of stores wanna make sure that you're financed to carry your business forward at least 18 months. If you can't carry your business forward for 18 months, they won't do business with you. So the investor looks at the management team uh, to make sure that they have a thorough knowledge of their target. Uh, Launching the new product, including the market research data. If you have existing customers, and this is the sad thing, is the banks will never lend you money. Any bankers here? Bankers will never lend you money unless you're successful. And I'm thinking, well, how can I be successful unless you lend me money so I can go out and sell my product, right? But people uh, wanna know that you have some type of a existing customer and that you know that your product is sellable. And that's why you must do a test market. Never go out and start a business, whatever it is, unless you do a test market, at least for six months. Research, research, research. And then we have to also know that the, section is ex- the, uh, the plan is extremely important because if there is no need or desire for your product, obviously you're not going to be successful. So uh, we need to know that the sections of our business plan should include the general description of your market, the niche you plan on capitalizing and why, the size of the niche market, including supporting documentation, a statement in supporting documentation as to why you believe there's a need for your product or offering by this market. Uh, I was also mentioning to Wayne, one of the tragedies, and I shouldn't say tragedies, but it was a statement of fact, when we first launched this product, it was appealing not only to women, because it was for us, with your protection in mind, but it also appealed to the gay community, because it was just for us. And so they love this product because it wasn't too masculine and it wasn't, you know, it was just a, a, a more of a feminine approach. But I can tell you that you have to think about all aspects of your business, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And then what, uh, wh- how are you going to capture the market? How are you going to grow that potential for the market? Um, will you share the market increase or decrease as the market grows? And then how will you satisfy the growth of the market and how will you price your goods or services uh, to grow in the competitive market? Every day pricing changes. I had a friend that uh, very, very wealthy and uh, she was in the rubber industry and tires and things like that. Well, when everything was sky high, she was a multi multi multi-millionaire and she didn't project the fact that what happens if the market goes down and sure enough, all of a sudden, the industry just went down, and she went down with it. Uh, Lisa had a friend that was in the pharmaceutical business, had how many stores? In the 27 pharmaceutical companies or business, you know, uh, stores, and uh, all of a sudden, the euro was it the euro or the, the dollar? Uh, their country's currency went down, went totally down. And he is now bankrupt. So you have to think about these things. You must plan. You must plan. So identify your market, explain your strategy for reaching the market, the distribution of your product, and then potential investors will look very carefully to make sure that you have a viable company. Most important thing, and this is where I tell everybody, you pick everybody's brain. You pick their mind you pick their ideas you get their concepts and you think uh you know i'd really appreciate it if you could just give me a few minutes of your time and you look at me and you say well i'll help her out a little bit i have to tell you this story when i first went to at and i took this little cord minder into at and he was the vice president of at and and this was in parsippany new jersey and i went in and he was very important very important And he sat there at his desk, and he was very, you know, big and masculine, and his name was John. And uh, I took this little product, and I handed it to him. I didn't have it in the package. I did have a package, but I handed him the product. And he looked at it and threw it back on the desk toward me. Nah, he said, we're never going to be able to do this product. And I just panicked you know, because I was five minutes with this vice president of AT&T with all the distribution. And I just said a little prayer and I wasn't even an Adventist then, and I said a little prayer and I said, well, I think about it, yes I was. <laughs> and I said, uh, you know, I know that you're a very, very busy gentleman, but I really would appreciate it if you could just give me five more minutes of your time and tell me why is the product not suitable for AT&T? And he looked at me and he looked at the product and. I heard this okay you know felt sorry for me didn't he so then he looked at me and he thought okay so he took the product and he started and i took my pen out and, and i started writing down all these things that he told me was wrong with the product that wasn't going to pass their engineering department and i started writing down all these things and sure enough at the end he said i'll tell you what miss taylor he said you do this for me he said you go back to your factory, you take this list that I gave you, and you see if you can improve the product. And if you improve the product, he said, you bring it back to me, and we'll send it to our research team. Uh, And he said, we'll see whether or not after that it can be possibly approved. (sighs) I was so excited. And I went back to Idaho, and this was in Boise, and I got off the plane, and I went over to the factory, and I said, Guess what? If we can do this, 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 and this, if we can take the product from a Cadillac to a Lexus, we're going to have this product approved by AT&T. Well, sure enough, three months later, I called John on the phone. He, I told him that we had uh, redone the product, we changed the uh, things that he had asked us to change, and I'd like to see whether or not he'd be willing to uh, research and see whether the, the product could be approved. Make a long story short, he called me in December. I was supposed to close on the business in January. He called me in December and he said, Barbara, we've just approved the product and you're not even going to need a sales force because we own all the pegs and all the stores literally across the United States and around the world. He said, we'll put this product in on all of our department and all of our AT&T department. That contract alone would have been worth tens of millions of dollars. So you can imagine... uh, the disappointment I found when I was, the gentleman wouldn't sell me the company. And like I said, it never went anywhere after that. But that's why it's so important to get into the people's minds. Get into their brains. Plead with them in a pitiful way. <laughs> say, is there any way, don't, I tell Wayne, if so, if you call somebody on the phone and you say, I need $100,000, and they say, nope, I can't give you $100,000. Don't stop there, just say, listen, Would you just have anybody that you know that possibly could help me? Do you know anybody else that I could call? Don't say, oh, thank you very much and hang up. Go to the next person. Go to the next person. I call everybody. I tell everybody it says dialing for dollars, dialing for dollars. Call everybody you know. So anyway, we're analyzing our competitive marketing strategies to learn how to reach the market. And the competition. So what is our competition? Let's just say um, that we're in the, Eden Valley business and we're trying to sell uh, produce now Eden Valley has a wonderful wonderful farm and they're trying to sell produce and Lisa and I went out to Whole Foods and we went to Sunflower and we went to uh, sprouts and uh, vitamin cottage and we took in our produce and we had the most beautiful and I should say they had the most beautiful produce and they were fresh gorgeous beautiful fresh produce from Eden Valley Farms and they really, really were amazed. Now, Eden Valley is trying to keep up. Isn't that wonderful? Because what they're doing is they're providing a a product that is better than their competition. It's fresher. They sell cucumbers there that I tell you are just, when you bite into them, you just love the flavor. I mean, just fantastic, wonderful cucumbers, tomatoes, everything. So in, in, identify your closest com, uh, competition, uh, where they're located, um, how you can compete in that particular market. Define their target market. What percentage of the market do they currently have? You know, if if I went up against a big big company and they own 99% of the business, wouldn't I be a little foolish to say, well, I just want one percent? Now, unless it was a multi-billion-dollar company, I'd take one percent of that business. But most of the time. You need to know whether or not you really have that niche to fill in to. And how does your operations differ from your competition? And uh, what do they do well? And where is there room for improvement? In what ways is your business superior to the competition? You must know that you have a product. Um, and then also, how is their business doing? Is it growing? Is it scaling back? I'm in the men's sportswear business right now. I still have a little tiny company, it's wholesale to retail, but I'm in the high end of the men's sportswear business. I sell the private labeling to Nordstrom's, Neiman's, Sachs, and as I was telling someone the other day, you know, no one, in most men's cases, the woman has to buy something new because she wants to look pretty, the children have to have clothes because they're growing out of what they're wearing, but most men say, oh no, honey, I don't need anything. I, I'll just wear this T-shirt or I'll wear this old shirt or I'll wear these old scruffy pants. What do you think that does to my business? Tanks. And literally, I'm thinking of getting out of business at the end of this year and going into work for the Lord's business. So uh, one of the things I tell everybody, we need to know where is our market going, is it growing or is it scaling back? If it's scaling back, we're in a situation we don't wanna think about, do we? And then how are the operations similar to yours or how do they differ? Are there certain areas of the business where the competition uh, surpasses you? And if so, how are you planning on compensating? And obviously you're not going to, um, one of the things and I, well, I won't tell you that story, I'll tell you another time. (laughs) I gotta watch my time, how am I doing on time, okay. So now that we have an opportunity to really sell our ideas and wow the potential investors, the next question on their mind is how will you implement the idea? In addition, describe the vendors you will need to build the business. And that's so important. You cannot, you know, no matter how great I think my idea is, unless I know for a fact that I can take that business and I can take that product and make that product grow, uh, and I, I just can't stress importance enough of that of that part. The management team, you must have a good management team. If you want to succeed in your business, hire people that are smarter than you. I can never tell you that as many times as I'm sitting here. I am the best when it comes to making me look good if I hire people that are smarter than I am. Because they come in with all these great ideas and. Uh, I I can tell you right now, I mean, our little church at Copper Mountain, we're planting a church, and I have the most wonderful people surrounding us in our church, and everybody says, oh, Barbara, you just have the greatest, greatest church, and I didn't tell them, well, I'm gone most of the time, and the people around me are the ones that make the church, help the church to grow, but I just tell you the same way in business. When you hire people that are smarter than you, and stronger than you, and great ideas, and creativity, and all these other things, they will make your business look great. And it will grow, and it will prosper. So anyway, we're going to skip This is, I'm You're going to get a handout here. And it's most important for the uh, management team to have good, good backgrounds, and past experience, and education, and personal data, data, and personal financial statements. So we'll go on to the next one. Uh, And the work experience, go ahead, and the duties and the responsibilities of the management team, what what will each person do and how will they accomplish their tasks, and uh, listing all the organizational charts. You know, I can't tell you how important it is to have an organizational chart because I want to tell you right now, people need to know where they fit in and what their responsibilities will be. And the duties and responsibilities, who will do what and why, and the organizational chart, and what's responsibility. Okay. And the salaries and the benefits, a lot of companies, most important, how much you're going to pay me? And what are my benefits, as you know today? So uh, go ahead. Uh, The personnel, the success of a business can often be measured by its employees. Seventy percent of consumers will go elsewhere if they don't receive prompt and courteous service. So you must hire people and have people working for you that understand. You know, I'll tell you, and don't, I hope nobody hears, anybody with United? <laughs> Continental is joining with United. And I tell you, everyone that I speak with on Continental says, oh, we're just sick. Because the people at United don't understand the courtesy and the ability to, to Be happy and joyful. And and so it's so important to have personnel that are excited and motivated and encouraged. So I just tell everybody, please, please get good personnel. And obviously at the heart of any business operation is the accounting system. Um, So it's important to have a certified public accountant. Established. That's the one person you want to have. The top, top person in your business is a strong, strong accounting person that can come in and say, Wayne, you're way over budget. You've got to cut back, and Wayne must listen. So let's go on. Obviously, we need balance sheets, break-even analysis, income statement, and cash flow. And these are so important. I had a person that I was visiting with, and I said, Well, you need to really have a strong PL statement. What's a P&L statement? I knew I was in trouble. So anyway, we need to have the resumes. Let's go on to that. Because supporting documentation, you'll read about that in your handout. Uh, The summary complete business plan should be bound. Once the business plan is completed, it should become an operational tool to measure the success of your business. Don't put the bound business plan on the shelf. Every quarter, every quarter, take that business plan out and say, are we meeting our objectives? Are we meeting our goals? Are we meeting the standards that we set up? Are we making changes if not? Once you set up your business, you must be sure to set goals. You should set goals for yourself, the company, and the employees. It's good to see what you have accomplished as you've set the goals for yourself and the company. If not, you must analyze why those goals weren't met and decide what changes need to be made to correct them. This is so important. People just spend months and months and months and all of a sudden they turn around and they realize they're bankrupt. And they haven't sat down on a quarterly basis to analyze what they set up. You must have weekly or monthly meetings should be held to check off the list of the goals accomplished and set new goals. Regular meetings with the individual employees must be held to compliment their achievements and acknowledge their good efforts. They must be motivated to know they are an important part of the business. Many companies today give pay or profit sharing incentives to their employees. You know, if you don't sit down with your employees on a weekly or monthly basis and set those goals and put them in black and white, I tell people, put those goals in black and white and I can't tell you how much the employees will benefit If they come in in a week or a month and they say, oh, I met my goals. I achieved this and I even achieved more. So also you must have, every employee must be given the goals and the work tasks. If the employee is not meeting the goals, you must call them in. You must sit down with them and you must say, Tom, we've asked you to do this and this and this. And uh, you've done these two and that's very good, but you haven't accomplished this. And uh, Tom, I just want to visit with you about this and ask you why you haven't accomplished this and we're just going to write this in your file, and you sign it and say, I'm going to make sure that I change. I'm going to make sure that I accomplish these goals. And the next time I call you in, you haven't accomplished it, and the third time you haven't accomplished it, and I've written you up, after three times, I must call Tom in and say, Tom, I have visited with you, we've discussed it, we just haven't been able to work things out, and I'm just going to have to ask you uh, to let you go. And you're going to say, but why? And I'm going to say, see, I I wrote these all up for you, and you just still couldn't work with us. And you must uh, understand why. This, your business, is not your family. You can't be a child and say, oh, poor Wayne, I'm going to let you come back again. You must set standards. Okay, so go on to the next one. And, oh, (laughs) The last part here is working as a team. Take time to spend a few hours a day with the employees and listening to them and encouraging them and trying to make sure uh, that their, their problems and their concerns are understood. Promote from within if at all possible and send a personal note to someone. I can't tell you what that means to the person. If you just send them a personal note and say, I really appreciate, Denny Sue, what you've done and how you've accomplished this and how you've done this, I really thank you so much that's an important uh, thing to let them know that they've done a job uh, well done. And the most important aspect of all of your business is to put Christ and prayer at the center. And I encourage each and every one of you that as you go out and go return to your businesses, return to your marketplace, put Christ at the center. And Wayne is going to talk about that now for just a few minutes.
1: Well, good morning everyone. I'm happy to be with you here and thank you very much, Barbara, for everything you've shared so far. In fact, um, Barbara invited me to share with her because um, we feel that it's very important for us as business people to be able to also fit God into all of our plans of business. And um, you know God, we can have success whether God is with us or not. You know those that don't know God often, they can have tremendous amount of success even. And yet, um, as Christians, Christian business people, it's very important for us to make our plans with God being included in all of those plans. And I really appreciate all of the advice that Barbara's has given us this morning. And uh, I just thought I'd tell you a little bit about my experience. Um, I actually approached business from probably a little bit different perspective because I had been involved in ministry for most of my life before I started my first business. And so, you know, often when we... Are In ministry, often we don't quite pay attention enough to the financial aspect of things. And and yet, we're very strong on the mission aspect of things. And so I think that um, Barbara and I working together is really a way that we can see both sides of things. And I know that in my life, when I started my business, I started a business on the internet in 2002. I sold um, solid ink for Xerox phaser printers. They're an office printer, and uh, and that was an experience that was something that was very valuable to me. It, it enabled me to be in a situation where I was focusing on business principles, focusing on things that were important to make, to get it up off the ground and to make it work. And um, at the same time, I didn't want to lose the focus on how we can witness to people. And on the internet, you know, Sometimes people are like, how in the world can you witness on the Internet? And yet, I found some ways that I'll be sharing with you as well. And of course, many of you are probably already in business, and if you're not, I'm sure you're inspired after Barbara's presentation, and you've gotten some ideas and, of how to get into business. But I believe that it's important for us as we develop those goals and those plans and everything to also see how can we reach people in that business. Isn't that what ASI is all about? how can we share Christ in the marketplace because if we have a marketplace but we can't share Christ then we're missing out on half of the blessings and so we have to be able to balance both sides of it we have to be able to make that plan that works so that our business can be successful so that we can have the finances that we need and so that we can be have the profitability that we need but we not we can't forget to be there to reach souls for Christ and so what we're going to do is we're going to look a little bit at simple, but we're going to look at it from a little different angle. And we're going to make the spiritual application to this simple concept. And I pray that it will be a blessing to each of us. So um, you see the different words here. We'll just name them briefly, but after that, we're going to look into them. Yes. 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 Okay, yeah, we, the handout that you have is, uh, should be complete with both of them. You have this concept as well, because we've put it all together. Um, and so here we have sincerity, involvement, meditation, prayer, love, and encouragement, which of course spells simple, just like it does on the keys to success on the business side. So these are keys to sharing faith. Let's take a look at each of them. Sincerity is actually something that is not very often found in the business world. Not that we're not sincere to a certain extent, and we want to be successful, of course. Every business person wants to make money, every business person wants to go out there and make a profit, and they want to have their business grow as much as it possibly can. But the sincerity that I'm talking about has to do with being sincere in trying to reach out to people and, you know, in the business world, as Barbara mentioned, I mean, the competition is strong. People don't care about people. They just care about getting to the top, you know, in, in, in the secular world of business. And yet, as Christians and business people, we care about the people that we deal with on a daily basis. We care about those customers that are coming into our store. We care about those clients that we're meeting in their offices, whatever the application might be. And so we sincerely need to be caring for the souls of those individuals that we come in contact with. And in that way, we can make an impact for them. Now, sincerity is something that actually can be transmitted to somebody else. And I wanted to share this text with you because it says, I've been reminded of your sincere faith. And then it talks about the sincere faith living in the grandmother, in in the mother, and then It comes down to Timothy, of course. And so the point that I want to make here is that when we're sincere, we have sincere faith, that catches on to the people around us as well. And we can give that, we can share that with our family members, we can share that with um, our church family, with people that we come in contact with. And so sincerity is very important, having in mind that we're there to touch an individual's heart whenever God gives us the opportunity is very important involvement when you're in business you're always very involved whether it be a ministry that you're trying to start whether it be a business you're trying to start Barbara hit the nail right on the head when she said you know you've got to wake up in the morning and you've got to get motivated because you don't have somebody else trying to motivate you and so We do. We have to be very, very involved and wholehearted in everything that we do. But on the spiritual side, it's so important for us to show a sincere interest in our customers. You know, customers can feel that. People can feel whether we are interested in them as a person or whether we're just there to make a buck. They can see the difference. They sense it and they feel it. And so as we get involved with our customers to show a sincere interest, that really makes a difference. And sometimes God enables us to take things a little bit further. Um, right now, I still am um, working. I, we have started a ministry recently, but I still am working as well. If somebody can just open that and shut it off. That's mine. I'm sorry. I should have shut it off before. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> I just end it. That's okay. I'm so sorry. We'll we'll kill this. Okay. (laughs) And so, um, one thing that I'm doing now is I'm continuing to teach English as a second language. I live in Quebec, Canada, and many people don't speak English there, but in business, it's very important, and if you want to get ahead in business, you need to be able to speak English because it is the modern language of the world. And so, I teach English. Well, you know, none of my students are Adventists, and really even none of them, well, I have a couple that are Christian, but very, very few of them are Christian. I teach mostly in businesses, um, you know, businessmen that need to learn English. And so whenever I teach, I try to, you know, of course they're paying me, so, you know, it's, it's a business deal, but at the same time, I'm looking for ways to develop Friendships with these individuals because if I can develop a relationship that's deeper than just okay I come here on Monday morning, and I teach for an hour and a half, and then I go on to my next class If I can develop a friendship with that person Then my goal is to be able to go further in sharing Jesus with them And so that's so important when we get involved We don't get just get involved because okay they're gonna pay me at the end of this class or for this session it's because, yes, I have their best interests in mind. I'm looking for a way to reach their hearts. And so we can also use programs that can reach out to win people. There's all kinds of things that are available that we can use. One thing that I used back when I was doing ink sticks, which was my business um, on the Internet when I, where I sold ink. And um, I, what I would do is I would take like a little um, computer... CD-ROM or a DVD or a CD or something that could be a witnessing tool. And, you know, this was mail order so people would order on the internet and we would ship them the product. And so, in the product I would put a DVD in there that could touch people in a Christian way. Now, what's interesting is I actually had some people complain about it, you know. And as a business owner then we're like, oh, oh, no, maybe I shouldn't do this because like um, I might lose this customer and that might have a financial impact on me and maybe that's not a very good idea. But for me my my approach was different because I said God even if I lose a few customers I'm praying that with careful planning you're gonna bless this business and that I'll have other opportunities to be able to share in such a way that can touch people in a positive way. So sometimes we might make a few compromises in our business that even have some financial impact because our greater goal is to be able to reach out to people. And so it's important for us to make those decisions wisely, not to sacrifice business principles, but at the same time to make sure we're there to reach out to people. And, of course, um, we can show them that being a Christian business person changes the way we deal with our customers. That means that we care about them genuinely, sincerely. That means that we're there To support them, that might even mean from a business standpoint that we go much further to try to resolve an issue than a non-Christian would because we have Christ living in our hearts. Let's look at the next part of the acronym. So, meditation. Now, I'm going to approach this from a little different way than many people have. There is something that is very beautiful to me in Psalms, and that is the way that David describes meditating on the law of God. So for me, meditation can have a correlation to the law of God. Now, what does the law of God mean in business? In business, the law of God means that as a Christian Christian business person, we want to be completely ethical in everything we do. We want to make sure that we are above board in everything. We want to make sure that the way we do business is a way that God is um, proud of, a way that God approves of. And so... This is something that I believe is really important is for us in our decisions, because you know a lot of people in business today, the way that they get to the top is they try to cut corners here, cut corners there, do some things that aren 't quite legal here and some things that aren't quite legal there, and that 's one th- way that people use regularly in order to get up to the top if they can get away with it, they do it, but as Christians that's not the way we approach business, you know so it it might um Take us a little longer and yet i don't believe it will and the reason it won't is because god is going to bless when we put his principles into practice and so we say no that's tempting but no i'm not going to do that i'm going to follow god's plan i'm going to follow god's principles god's law i'm going to meditate on what that is and i am going to put that into action and god is going to bless us even tremendously above what he blesses those that aren't putting his principles into practice and prayer prayer is something that is so so important and you know i think a lot of times um, business people it's hard for us to take sufficient time to spend with god you know because we're go-getters we're action we want to go get it all done you know and so it's hard for us sometimes to take that time to say god you know be with me today help me today And one thing that has helped me personally um, is to try to remember that prayer is not just something that we have the privilege of partaking in in the morning. It is a way of life. You know, the Bible says, pray without ceasing. And how many times during the day, you know, in our business decisions that we have to make or in, in challenges that come up, you know, we start feeling all stressed out, we start, what am I gonna do with this? Oh, this is terrible, you know, and, and this employee that comes in that's all, you know, discouraged and not doing his work, and then you have to deal with this and deal with that and a hundred things happening at one time. You know, a lot of times our natural reaction is, okay, I gotta fix this, I gotta straighten this all out. And yet, you know, God is there. God is there and what He's wanting from us to do for us to do is to say God, you have the solution to this problem, and please show me what it is. Help me to trust you to know that you're going to work things out, and maybe it'll be a hard experience, but that's okay too, because you have something to teach me through that experience. And, you know, that is something that I believe It has helped me so many times in the past, and I'm sorry for the times that I haven't done that, because often it doesn't work out as well, and you realize in the end that you missed an opportunity to grow and to develop and to learn. And so, you know, in our businesses, God wants to be a partner. He wants to be the CEO of our businesses, and he wants to be in charge, and he wants us to be carrying out His will in our financial decisions, in our organizational decisions, and in our, in our administrative decisions, and in the ways that we deal with our employees, our customers, whatever people we come in contact with. And so that's really a privilege for us, to realize that prayer, it's a channel of communication between our souls and God. It's a channel that is always to be open, that we can constantly be speaking to him just as we speak to our employees or our customers, and that God speaks to us. He speaks to us through his word, through prayer, and he's always listening. I mean, that's just, that's amazing, you know? I mean, Barbara was speaking about how hard it is to speak to some of these CEOs of these big companies, and you know, they don't have time, and it's very hard to get appointments, and God is way more important than any of those people, and yet he is always ready to listen. And we don't have to beg him for five more minutes because he's ready to give it to us, you know? All we have to do is send up that prayer. And so that is something that's so important for us in our businesses to make that a part. And love. Love is a principle that's so vast that we could probably spend the whole time just speaking about love. And yet I think that love... From a business perspective, it's really something that is action. And after all, isn't that what love is? Love is a principle. Love is a principle that causes us to do things in a different way than we would do if we didn't care about the people around us. And so true love as a principle comes only from God. In other words, that competitor that's out there in the world competing against us, they don't have love. Because true love only comes from God. So if they don't have God, they can't have love either. And that gives us a cutting edge in our businesses. That gives us a cutting edge. When we have the love of God, it changes things for us. It inspires us to actions that make a difference in people's lives. So we're not just interested in trying to sell them the next product, but we're interested in making that, creating that contact so that we can make a difference in their lives. And... It drives us out of our comfort zone. You know, I'm sure each one of you that's in business, you're faced with decisions from day to day. Do I go out here where I'm not very comfortable and risk perhaps witnessing to somebody that may not be too open? Now, I'm not suggesting to be unwise in our witnessing, but I'm just saying that sometimes I believe God's pushing us a little further to say, Maybe you will, um, maybe you don't know exactly what the result of this is, but I'm giving you just enough indications that, yes, I'm pushing you. The Holy Spirit's pushing you. And that's what I believe God does often. He'll, He'll give us a witnessing opportunity, but it might be just a little bit out of our comfort zone, and yet, you know, God is there to encourage us to do it. And so love is something that motivates us to make decisions based on eternal values, you know? Eternal values are so, so, so different than values that the world uses, you know. Because when we're measuring by eternal values, we're putting everything into perspective. We're not just thinking about, okay, how can I get to the top the fastest that I can get to the top, and how can I kill everybody in the meantime, you know. That, that's not an eternal value. It's how can I save as many people as possible as I get to the top by God's grace and with his help. And being a Christian business person is not—it's not. Oh, it's not um, we're not weaker by being a Christian business person. We are stronger because we have God's strength. It's not a way to say, "Okay, uh, maybe I don't have to work so hard because God's just going to bless me and I'm going to get there eventually." No, you know, by putting God's principles into practice, we are more active. We are more perseverant. All of those business principles that Barbara shared with us we are sincerely putting those into practice even more because we have a goal in mind that is eternal. And, of course, even love changes the way we deal with competitors. (laughs) And that's not always really easy. But, you know, in a dog-eat-dog world, we even have a different um, perspective about our competitors. And so that's sometimes really where the rubber meets the road. That doesn't mean that we don't want our business to be everything it can be and push it as far as we possibly can, of course. But in our attitudes toward those that are maybe even competing with us, we have a little different attitude than we might if we didn't have Christ in our hearts. So the last one here is encouragement. Encouragement. You know, each of us at some time in business feels discouraged, especially if you're starting up a business, because there's times that it Feels very difficult, it's very tough, and you're like, maybe I'll never get where I'm going. And so, what I'd like to focus on here in encouragement is that it's important for us to develop friendships with other ASI members, right? <laughs> maybe we don't have ASI members in our church, or maybe there aren't very many. Other Christian friends, it's perfectly fine to, it's very important for us to develop friendships with those maybe that have had similar experiences, you know, today in our, with our technology, I mean, we can stay in touch with friends that are all over the world, you know. Maybe if we can meet some friends at ASI that maybe have a similar business, we can, you know, get on Skype with them. We can talk to them on the phone, we, whatever, to try to network in ways that we can encourage each other. That is so, so important because as Christian business people, many times if we go out to speak with other colleagues in the business world, they don't have the same perspective that we do. So it's hard for us to, you know, get all encouraged and all motivated by speaking to those individuals sometimes. So it's so important for us to surround ourselves with people that can encourage us, that can give us wise counsel, and that can believe in us and push us forward and say, with God's help, you can do it. And that is very important. We need that encouragement. And... You know, we have different goals that we set. We need encouragement for peop- the, from those around us in our goals to move forward. And it's not just to, to say, oh, you're doing a great job, you're doing wonderful, you're going to have success. No, we have to encourage each other in practical ways, sharing lessons that we've learned. Oh, I, that was a terrible experience for me, and I, that wasn't, you know, I made that decision, but it wasn't the right one, and I should have made another one instead. You know, sometimes, just being honest with each other and being open and saying things for what they're worth can be more valuable to us than anything else. Because, you know, if if we have the tendency to just try to make everything look like it's going good all the time, that's not going to help us succeed either. And so, sharing counsel with each other, saying, you know, I made this bad decision here, Uh, I'd just like to, you know, help you out so you don't don't make the the same uh, decision or, or the same mistake. And then, of course, after we're encouraged and after we're motivated and after we're like, wow, you know, I am just ready to go out there and, and, and do it all, you know, after, after being encouraged and I'm going out, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get all this stuff done, it, then we have the encouragement to be able to also encourage others around us. And so... I think it's so important for us to receive that encouragement from God, to receive that encouragement from people around us, so that in turn we can be encouraging to others. Because it's very hard if we're in a business that we're trying to build up, we're trying to make everything work, and we don't have that support, sometimes it's a challenge. So I really encourage you, if you're interested in starting a business or if you're in business already, make sure you have people around you that can really support you. And uh, p- part of those people could be your own team. I mean, Barbara talked about that. It's so important to have people around you. Don't be afraid of people that are stronger than you, you know. And and uh, just to tell you a little bit of my experience now, because I'm I'm pretty, well, I am in full-time ministry. I just uh, have another job on the side as we're trying to get the ministry up off the ground. But, um, it, you know, a lot of people that are involved in this ministry are much more qualified than i am and know a lot more things than i do but i welcome that because when you have people that are strong around you and you can build that team spirit that is the most important thing because one person as an island cannot do anything but together as we work together and as we unite with people that have strengths and as you can Wisely place people as well. You know, this person has that strength, we'll put them there. This person has that strength, we'll put them there. And as you start to build that synergy and that team spirit, that is so, so, so important. And I really believe that fits into the encouragement as well. And that team starts to feel like, yes, we're going somewhere, we're moving forward. And For any of you that might be involved in ministry, we're addressing mostly businesses today, but I know by looking out at at our audience that some of you are involved in ministry. I believe that we need to put these principles into practice in our ministries because a ministry is a business, and a business is a ministry. And so we have to be able to put them together, and that's the reason that Barbara and I, Barbara asked me to to share with her today, and that's the reason is because we feel it is so important to make that marriage of business principles and spiritual principles and put them all together. And so we believe that this is truly the two keys to success. Simple, they both spell simple, so it's not too complicated. They both spell simple. And yet, we have to put them together. We have to organize our businesses with a spiritual component and we have to make wise plans in order to be successful. So my prayer is that God will bless each of you in your businesses, that he'll bring you beyond where you could have even imagined and that as you put some of these principles into practice, that he will even be there more for you in a practical way. I just invite... Yes. Yes. Are there any questions while she hands that out, and then we'll close with prayer. I, we'll just wait for prayer until we've. There's our handed out. Yes. I'm sorry. I'll be happy to give it to you. Um, I'm not sure that it that the whole thing was on there, but I have the powerpoints here, and I'll be happy to share them with anybody. Yes, if anybody wants to give my email, then uh, your email, then I'll be happy to send them to you. Yes. Mm -hmm. the the simple principle was on your handout okay the spiritual side was on your handout it's near the beginning but i'm not sure that all of the quotes and things that i shared were on there so if you'd like any of those i'll be more than happy to email them to you just give me your email address did we hand those out okay thank you so much i really appreciate it barbara and i both appreciate you being here Mm -hmm. thank you let's stand for prayer Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the privilege of working for you in our businesses. We thank you for these principles that have been shared this morning, and we pray that some of them may inspire us to be even more successful in our business. And may we measure that success in dollars and cents, but most importantly, in the way that we reach out to souls. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here at ASI, and we pray that you would give us opportunities to network with each other so that we can be encouraging to each other and that we can be there to help each other to be more successful in the businesses and the ministries that you have given to us. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for ASI. Adventist Layman's Services and Industries. If you would like to learn more about ASI, please visit www.asiministries.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit
0: www.audioverse.org.